This is part two of our two-part conversation with our podcast host, Kip Saunders. This week, we pick up the conversation with Kip about the time in his life when the opportunity to open up a bar became a reality. We talk about the difficulties of having to deal with local government bureaucracy when opening up, obtaining outside investment, contracting out the kitchens, and the importance of restaurants and bars all working together as a community. Enjoy this week's show. So, uh, so basically from here, I'm like, I'm obviously not in a very happy position. Around this time, I take a trip to uh, Calgary and with uh, a couple of friends and we had a couple of friends who were already living out there. And uh, my friend at the time, um, he, uh, he and I had always had our eye on this like spot on the it's in the middle of the strip. At this point, the Uptown Waterloo Strip is like the place to be in yeah. town. Like just wall-to-wall bars is where all the action's happening. And it was right below Starlight where I used to work at the nightclub. And uh, it yeah. was like, a, it was kind of like a boutique knick-knack type st- shop. Like That's they, right. The kind of place that sells like kitschy gift cards and also records. And yeah, and how, how long have you been thinking about opening up your own place before this? Uh, I, like I, I th- so at this point, I had like just, I guess I had like figured out that this is what I'm doing with my life. And I, st- I was slowly, slowly, slowly stopping feeling guilty about it. Um, even though it's still, it was still there a little bit. Uh, and, but I, in my mind, I think, well, if I'm in the ownership side of it, then that's a real, like, job and yeah. which now looking back is so silly because I made a, way more money when I was bartending <laughs> so I but like I've been I, I'd always had a dream to do that and we had always talked about this place that was like this knickknack shop and that at this point Josh and Bernard had bought the building that the club was in and so they they owned that space as well we had kind of said to him like if that place ever comes available please let us know first so we were out in Calgary and it was just the same thing, like ripping lines at a bar till eight in the morning. And <laughs> it's always a good time. Yeah, and uh, I, we had just like, it, it kind of came through that perhaps this place would be available. Uh, and my business partner, my future business partner, my friend at the time that was like, he had, he had gotten that word. So he kind of pitched it to me. He was like, well, do you still, still want to do that? And yeah, I was like, yeah, let's, let's fucking do it. But the weird thing about it was that, <laughs> looking back now, uh, so stupid, but I was also so fucked up all the time, not making excuses. I was definitely naive and dumb. But I, well, I, I don't think we ever really talked about what kind of place we wanted. Just to, just you wanted to open something up. Yeah, That's open it, something right? up. We'll be bar owners. No concept. Like we had, but I think I had a concept in my head and he had a concept in his head and they weren't the same. Yeah. Uh, but and we never, had, can you believe how fucking stupid that is in hindsight that like we never even had that discussion? Sure, you probably had those discussions while we're fucked up most of the time, right? Well, fuck, I remember us being in Boston together, partying and like. We got, we can do this? Well, I remember like the crazy ideas you come up with. We were like in this bar, we had been to a baseball game, super drunk. And we're hanging out in the bar after the game, and um, Led Zeppelin came on, and we were like, how fucking great would it be if you opened a bar that only played Led Zeppelin? I was like, <laughs> like those, are, those are the kind of ideas you have when you're pitching them, right? I'm like, I thought about that later. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that'd be great for 
a customer once in a while, but what about the people who have to work there every yeah. fucking night? <laughs> like, <laughs> for seven to 10 on a Thursday night. Yeah. So we had never really had that discussion and that was a bad idea. And, but, it, but um, getting back to the opening of the bar, we ended up getting, locking down the lease, getting the space. And now I'm gonna open my own spot. So I'm fucking super excited about that, but I was also crazy naive about that process. Like every municipality has their own crazy rules. That, yes. uh, but basically, and certainly uh, it's different all over the world. In Ontario, you deal with the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario. And they basically what they want from you is you have to give them the blueprints of the space then you have to get building in the building department the fire department and the health department to sign off on this and they determine your capacity and a lot of people think oh your capacity is just how many fucking stools and tables you can get in there yeah. right but or how big your actual space is but that really has very little to do with it. Most of it has to do with fire exits and how many bathrooms you have. Those are the things that tend to determine your capacity. Well, that was even fucking news to me. Like, like I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? It's this big. We can easily fit 100 people in here. <laughs> what do you mean my capacity is 58? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, which was what I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the number that they landed on us, one for us. So... Now we start the building out process. And this place was, like I said, it was like a, a gift shop, essentially. So we're building everything. Um, we have to build a kitchen. You have to build the bathrooms, like everything. So, and then, of course, the physical bar. Uh, and, like, the whole thing. Like, there was not a corner of that place we didn't touch because it needed a complete overhaul, yeah. right? Yeah. So money-wise, like, was this just based on money that you guys had yourselves? Or did you have to, like... Uh, in get additional investors? Uh, so we had, um, for that space, I had a chunk of money that I had saved up. Um, and, because well, at one point I was like, I stopped traveling. I, I'd, sorry, I kind of, we kind of missed that spot where I was like, when I decided that I did want to be a bar owner, I'm like, I realized I got to stop traveling all over the fucking place all the time because this shit's expensive. So instead, yeah. every time I wanted to take a trip, I put my money away instead. And so I had a fair amount of money. He had, to, he was able to offer the same amount. And then we had, we brought in another partner for like 20% of it. And was I- Was it hard to get other partners? Uh, no, no. Not that time. It's, it is hard. Yeah. Uh, well, it is and it isn't. We'll get into that more yeah. with the second spot. But um, so that part, that, in, that, in that area, in that, for, sorry, sorry, for that bar, which was turned it into White Rabbit in Uptown Waterloo, that was not difficult. Um, I think we might have taken, it's hard to remember now, but I think we might have taken a relatively small loan right at the end towards the end of op when we were about to open mm -hmm. that we paid back very quickly. But the, but it just kept stretching on and on. Like I was woefully unprepared. Uh, I'm only gonna speak for myself. Like as far as my business partner, he might have a completely different uh, angle on this. So I don't want to speak for him. But uh, for me, I was woefully unprepared for dealing with the city and um, 
building inspectors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because they're constantly coming in and finding something else. A lot of this is like, this is what they do for a living. So yeah. certain, to a certain extent, they have to justify their salary. They're not going to come into your place and find nothing wrong. Yeah. Like, that's just not going to happen. And there's no gray area with them either. It's black or white. So it's, Yeah. And so I'll get into this more with Sugar Run because it was way more difficult there. But basically, we had some people on the hook for, like, employ. Like, I had, I had set my staff up. And, like, they're just hanging on. I kept telling people, don't quit your job, don't quit your job. We don't know exactly when. But, of course, people don't listen to you, and they start quitting your jobs. <laughs> and they're like, when are you opening? When are you opening? Like, I need couldn't wait until my fucking boss to go fuck himself. Yeah, exactly, right? Woo! So we had, a, like, a few people who had, like, were not, who had listened to me and held on to their job, and we had a few people who had not. And, um, but it just, opening took forever. Like, I think... It stretched on for like eight, uh, at least a year Oof. later than we meant Jesus. to open. And you have to pay rent that. I guess you have to pay rent that whole time. Uh, like, no, actually, because because we that one was good because we knew the we the landlords were friends of ours and they, there was nothing happening with that space anyway. They were very generous in that respect that they just let us wait till we open oh, to pay rent. Nice. But that's not generally the way it works, yeah. of course. Uh, and uh, it just, like, it, it's a little hard to remember that one. When we get to Sugar Run, it'll be a little fresher about the opening part. But uh, plus, I was still partying the same way this whole time. I was still fucked up all the time. And, like, <laughs> yeah, so there's some... And had you left Ethel's at that point already? Uh, I kept the job at Ethel's for a long time during it uh and then when i finally was like okay i think we're this far away um it actually became some sour grapes because essentially i said to them like i think this is gonna be my quit date this is what i'm doing it's no hard feelings i was like thank you for everything you guys have taught me here and we're moving unfortunately just up the street from you so i don't want you to think of us as competition or anything like that but like we're a different kind of place like i was trying to open a well, in my mind, we were opening a high-end whiskey bar. Yeah. So it seemed like it was okay, and they were like, yeah, you know, like, <sighs> we know how this goes. If you if you have a, uh, like, things always get delayed if you need to bump that finishing, like, the your, your last day a little farther in the future because you need money. That's cool. But then when I needed to do that, they rescinded that offer. Uh which I had some hurt feelings about. Like, but looking back at it now, fuck, would they want me there any longer? I was miserable there, and I was treating people like shit. Like, of course, get yeah. the fuck out. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, now that I look at it, right? But at the time, I was like, you said this, now you've rescinded, right? Like, you know, also, when you're doing that, those kind of, like, the amount of drugs I was doing and drinking as much as I was, you get paranoid, and you get, like, you're not thinking clearly, right? Like, you only see things from your own perspective. And you're generally partying with people who only see things from the same perspective right. as well. Yeah, because so. you're usually agreeing with each other when you're coked up. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, everybody else sucks and we're that's awesome. Right. Yeah, that's right. Right, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. So <laughs> I, I was pretty bent out of shape about it. and but, Because then I was like out of work for like way longer than I was, than I was able to actually be uh, financially speaking. And so it was like, so a few months, like of no work and then we just kept being delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Finally we got the liquor license, we had it open and the first year was amazing. We were busy all the time, 
People loved it. There was nothing like that place uptown or in the city at the time. Uh, and then I think, like, as time went on, and don't get me wrong, part of the problem, too, is I was still partying like crazy during this whole time as well. And slowly but surely, my relationship with uh, my partner started to sour a little bit because of, uh, because of the fact that I think we never had that discussion. Like, like, were you guys, did you treat it always as co-owners 50-50, or is there like a clear 1A, 1B? Um, or do you each see each other, see yourselves as I'm 1A, he's 1B? I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, like, I think that that's definitely what he thought. Yeah. Um, but I, I like to think, I mean, it's hard now, it's easy for me to say now. Like, yeah, I, say, right? I, yeah, I I feel like I was always trying to make it like a 50-50 situation and just where the place that he had, he wasn't used to having to answer to anybody ever, right? And when you're when you're in a 50-50 partnership, you do have to answer to your partner, yeah. like, so, but again, this is, like, let's make this clear, this is my perspective, he probably has a completely different one, so, and that's been, I'm sure he's right as much as I am, so, who, who knows, but, uh, but there, it, we started to clash, like, about um like at certain points seemed like about almost everything like we could still party together and drink and stuff but after a while it seemed like we were just constantly at odds like and uh then again i was making lots of bad decisions because i was fucking sure you hired me for a while that's right i forgot about that yeah i worked for you guys for a while when i was laid off from one of my tech one of one of my many layoffs from tech jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, and that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, we had fun there, too. Like, so especially the first couple of years were awesome. I was, like, living the dream. I finally owned my own bar. It's all I ever wanted to do, really. And then it's the same thing. You don't even realize things are going south and getting sour until it's you're already in it, kind yeah. of, right? I think that's the same. This, you can say that about every aspect of life, probably. But the one, one great thing that happened was I met my current wife there so that was amazing like she applied for a job and our manager at the time Jess Sharkey who oh yeah she also worked at Ethel yeah. she's also been on the show <laughs> and she hired her while I was away somewhere and I remember coming back and I'm like whoa good job <laughs> in my head and uh, yeah we didn't uh, there was no um, there was no contact of course while I was the owner but like after I left then we reconnected and now I'm married to her so that's amazing. Congratulations. Shout out to Janine and yeah. she's actually going to be the general manager of the new place that's opening so. Oh nice. Yeah. So at any rate I uh, long story short things started going sour we decided to go our own separate ways. I left and uh immediately started thinking about opening another spot. Because once you've, like, done it, it's really hard to go back. Now, I, like, I was, like, I, I had some money because I, I, this also happened around the same time as I, my long-term relationship ended. So we sold our house. I sold out my part of the business. So I had some money. And, uh... Spent it all on one big bag of cocaine. Well, this time I was fucking trying to be smarter. I, like, I, it took me a little bit to get off the cocaine, but I could see how it had caused some major yeah, frictions sure. in all my relationships. And I was like, okay. Yeah, once you're off of it, that's yeah. when you realize, ooh, shit. So I started doing it less and less and less and less and less till it stopped, Yeah. Um, which was great. And then, but during that time, I wanted to save my money for opening the next business. So I was like, I went and got a job. I'm back into bartending again. 
which is like ah, just a little cut to your pride when you're like one minute you're own, you own like a very successful bar uptown Waterloo the next minute the same people who knew you from there are coming in and seeing you working for somebody else downtown yeah, yeah. like yeah it was, a, it was it's it's an ego bruise that's for sure like but it was the best thing that I did uh, like it needed to happen and then once I was out of there like I had a year or two years essentially of working for other people again and trying to get the news place open which was like I thought White Rabbit was hard to open Sugar Run was an absolute fucking disaster <laughs> like, and that place was already partially a bar was it not or like in the process of being set up as a bar well it's kind of a sad story this guy had taken the initiative to try and open a bar and like to describe this place to anyone who's never been there and certainly people who had not seen it before it's it's in the basement of a building where there's apartments above it and there's a cafe on the sort of main level and this bar's in the basement, which is kind of... And, and the entrance is literally down an alley in, yeah. in the back. It's which an is, old building, probably about 130 years old, mm, 140 years old maybe. Now, perfect setup for what I wanted to do at the time because I, um, I had always wanted to open a speakeasy and we didn't have one at in town at the time. And I, those were always my favorite bars every time I traveled in the U.S. and Europe. And so I, I also had done the research of what would... What would and, and like? Uh, let me just say, right now, like, do your fucking research. Yeah. Like, if you if anyone's listening and wants to open a bar, do your research. Just don't assume you know what the fuck you're doing. Like, get a concept, figure out what your idea is, and then go around and research bars that are doing something similar. Like, you're gonna get a little. It's not stealing. That's what we do in this industry. You're gonna get a little bit. You're gonna get some something from everyone. And then you take those concepts and put them together into your vision. Uh, the other thing I got to say at this point is what helps the people generally say, like, I want to do this. And then, like, I kind of feel like that's what I did with White Rabbit a little bit. Is like, I wanted to open this high end whiskey bar and I didn't care what the space was. And I just smashed it into this space that was a little too small for the concept. Um, and so this time I was determined to not do that. And I was like, I have several ideas of bars that I think would be cool. And I'm just gonna find a spot and then that, that I feel good about and see which concept works best in that spot. So when we found the spot for the speakeasy, it was like, it was the speakeasy spot. Like yeah. basically, so we found the spot and uh, like I had done all this research on speakeasies and how to make them cool. We found the spot and we were like, okay, this, I think this is gonna be the spot. Now I have a new business part of this time. So we're ready to pull the trigger on this. And the rent was amazing. Like Kitchener is about to be like a, well, pre-COVID, downtown Kitchener was a, about to be a massive area for bars and restaurants. Um, yeah, because Kitchener, downtown Kitchener is a really good mix of old school industrial buildings and new development. And now the new condo developments are going in and stuff, and all the old uh, industrial buildings have been repurposed to brick and beam office structures. Yes. So you got a lot of tech workers downtown, like Google's downtown. Uh, they own they own quite a bit of property there. And there's three or four like lesser known but very well yes. off tech companies down there. Yeah. Um, so lots of yeah, D2L and stuff like that. Yeah. You have Bridget. You have. Bridget, uh, that's right. What's the? Well, it doesn't matter. We could yeah. list a thousand of them, but. So I saw that happening and saw that they were not charging this um, 
the rent for that quite yeah. yet. And plus there's a million, well not a million, but there's a whole ton of condos being built down there yeah. as well to, to serve as all these people who are coming in for tech jobs. Like, oh, so your question was about the owners previously. So this guy, it's kind of a sad story. This guy had started down there. And like, to give you an idea, this place looked like a murder basement. Like, what do you mean looked like? Yeah, <laughs> like you literally just <laughs> put the saran wrap down on the floor and you got like an episode of Dexter. Yeah, it's like, like my rec room. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, needed a ton of fucking work. This guy had started down the road and he had put in an HVAC system and I think that took all his money. Um, that was helpful to me because HVAC's very, very, very expensive. Um, but, but uh, the... That was the one thing that had been done, and, and they had painted some really, in my opinion, terrible cartoony murals on some of the walls. But that was the only thing that had been done there. Mm. And there was a sad story. This guy, like, he he had some mental health issues, and he was, like, literally walking up. Like, I heard a story about him walking up to people in restaurants and being like, don't you want to support someone trying to make it locally, and can you give me some money for this bar I'm doing? Just, like, walking up to their tables, and which is not the best pitch I've ever heard for investors. No, not really. Was he doing that in downtown Kitchener? Hmm? Was he doing that in downtown Kitchener? Or? I think he was doing it anywhere and everywhere. Oh, shit. Um, but he, had, the building sold during the, this time period, uh, and the new owners, would, they just clashed right away. The guy had no money. He couldn't find any money. And then, so they essentially booted him out, and... And he ended up committing suicide, which is a very sad part of the story, the sad ending to it. At this, so at this point, it would have been empty for a year or two, maybe. And so we got a really good deal on the rent. I worked out a really good deal to give us a few months to build it while, because we knew it needed some work. Then the fun starts. So <laughs> we signed the lease and right away, there's issues because it's in a basement. Uh, and the, the two words I never, ever want to hear again are fire rating. Uh, <laughs> the one half of the... It's a big space. It's 2,800 square feet. The one half uh, is under, at the, was underneath what at the time was a vape shop turned into a print shop. The other half was underneath this cafe. So the part that was underneath the cafe was fire rated properly, the ceiling, their floor, our ceiling. The part that was under the vape shop was not fire rated for restaurant bar. <sighs> okay, I'm like, I'd never been through anything like that before. Again, naivete and idiocy on my part. And oh, I should take a pause right now. Like anyone listening to this, don't do build outs. If you, like, if you want to open your own bar, find another place that has unfortunately had to close down and just do a flip into your concept. <laughs> it's too much money. Like. Yeah. It's just like building bathrooms and kitchens, and this is my advice for you, don't do it. Even if the place looks perfect, don't do it. I did it twice because I need to be hit on both sides of the head before I, <laughs> before I fucking get it. <laughs> but I'm never doing it again. Yeah. And so the fire department comes in, and our, and our architect was like, oh, yeah, you got a fire rate. So then the architect comes in, and she comes up with this one concept, that's like, it involves, it's, this is like boring details, but involves like shaft walls and like uh, triple fire rated plywood. And um, 
basically, long story short, $25,000 for half a ceiling. Like, not feasible. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you, this budget for this place went out of control because of all these little things. And then what was happening as well is the building inspector would come in and he would say, okay, no, I need you to do this, this, and this, and I can get you a letter. And going back to what you are talking about earlier, you need these three letters, one from health, one from fire, one from building, to give to the AGCO, who will then approve your liquor license. So they just get moving the goalposts on us. Like he would come in and he'd be like, do this, this, and this. And I'd be like, great, I'd do it. And then it would take him, it's so hard to get them back, like weeks to get them back. Uh. And so we were, oh, I should, uh, well, this is the end, but I'm gonna back it up in just a second, just to tell you how ridiculous this all was. So he'd come in three weeks later when we could finally get him back after the work was done and be like, oh, actually, this too needs to be fixed. Like, just tell us everything at once. Like, <laughs> but then he can't justify it. Yeah, well, again. eventually, I, we, I had a connection who knew the mayor, and like, I had to, that was how we ended up getting approved at the end, was like, I had to get the mayor to call the building inspector and be like, look, because you gotta understand at the time, too, everybody was like, we need more cool places in downtown Kitchener. Yeah, I remember that push very well. Yeah, but you, it, a lot of saying it, but not a lot of helping us do it. Yeah, um, yeah. But to back up, the one of the funnier stories about this build was when we were trying to get the building permit, the original building permit, we couldn't get the permit. We kept submitting the plans, and then they came back with something, and we had to change it slightly. Well, at the time, in Kitchener, there was one woman who signed off on these permits. She's the only person in the entire city of Kitchener who did this job. She got in a car accident, and, and I feel bad for her. But when she was off work, nobody else was, did the job. So it was like, it's so the, like this is not like this sounds ridiculous, but this is an actual fact. Everybody in downtown Kitchener had their building permits delayed for months because one person got in a car accident, and then when she got back, she got sick. I, and so, <laughs> so I, I worked for the city of Kitchener for a year. It was the worst year of my life. I worked for some awesome people. Yeah. And. Uh, that was a learning experience. Like, it's not her fault that she got in an yeah. accident or got sick, but I'm like, how is there nobody else qualified to do your job when you're not there? What if she wants to take a fucking vacation? The whole, all building just stops. Yep, that's I was the way it is. absolutely stunned by this. And like, and so I had worked out this good deal, however many months that we didn't have to pay rent to do the build. Well, we blew right the fuck through that because we couldn't even get a building permit for the first three months. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then with the issue with the ceiling, and then it, it was just on and on and on and on. So it was an absolute disaster. We finally get open. Now our concept is that like, we're a hidden bar, so trying to advertise something like that's a little unique. Come, come try and find us. Yeah, exactly, and we have a password and all of the rest of it. Now a lot of people think that's a super cool idea and really got into it. A lot of people were like, the fuck, how stupid is that? <laughs> Which, that's fine. That's right. You're probably not the people who are going to be coming yeah. to my bar. Like, <laughs> Well, you're a speakeasy. It should be open at 4 a.m. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing, right? People, like, at 2 a.m. being like, what do you mean, last call? I thought this was a speakeasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a concept. It's not an actual speakeasy. We had one woman actually review us on social media, and she said, oh, I love this place so much. It's so cool. The cocktails are great. The vibe is great. The atmosphere is great but I don't know what they're doing. Like, their booze is right out on the shelves. 
Like anyone could walk in and see it at any time. Like how are they, like they're gonna get shut down at any point. Cause she literally thought that we were operating a legit speakeasy without a liquor license. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, so you can't make that shit up. Yeah. So yeah, so I, we finally got it open and then COVID hit pretty quickly after that. So we were gaining some good momentum with people f- figuring out where we were and what the concept was. Then COVID hits, and like the worst concept ever for COVID is a basement bar with no patio, no windows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So it's been a rough year, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, we now have a patio for this summer, and it's actually worked in a way that it's kind of still hidden a little bit in, in sort of an inlet parking lot. So we can still keep the concept alive without. Uh, having to go under and now working on the next place, which is, was previously a cafe. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> so it was an easier flip. Yeah, so yeah, let's talk about the next place. Well, uh, there was an unfortunate situation here with a, like a big chain of bars and restaurants, bars, cafes, I would say, breweries, all had to go under at the same time. And so one of these places Became available to me and my yet another new business partner. But mm-hmm. oh, we should back it up. I was going to talk about investment at the at, about finding money at Sugar Run. Okay. Yeah, this is a, a situation where I had to. Uh, you have to learn how to do a pitch, which I've never done before. Oh, right? the elevator pitch. Yeah, and so like lots of meetings, pitching your Get concept. Get it down to like a idea. one minute essentially and stuff. Yeah, like that. I, it sort of depends. Sometimes like that, I, I basically feel like they're only listening for the first couple of minutes, uh, right? It's so like you, going on Dragon's Den. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you got to come out hot, but or we sh- were or Shark Tank for our friends in the U.S. Yes, exactly. But I have learned how to do that, which is something I was very uncomfortable with before. But I mean, I like I really think that all of this was like a really amazing process and now I know how to do all these things like I now can go sure. I can go pitch investors on an idea the key to your, that is yeah your business acumen really developed there. yeah it really did yeah like now I you have a clear yeah. concise plan this is what I'm doing yeah really fast how to manage cash flow how yeah. to how to pitch investors what works what doesn't and I wanted to talk a little bit about this because you were talking about you asked me about it earlier is like the thing about investors is there are a lot of people out there who have got more money than they know what to do with. And they, like a place like a bar or restaurant is good for them just for like a tax write-off in many ways. But, but they want to know that you know what you're doing. And, that you're, and more than anything, I find that you're passionate about what you're doing. If you're, if, if you're passionate about, for anyone listening, if you're passionate about what you're doing and your, your concept... And then you also can bring the goods that, like, you know how to execute that once, once they've decided to give you their money, then it's, you can find people to give you money. And that, that was kind of surprising to me. I, like, I, coming from, like, the bar industry, like, working for people the whole time, I was like, who the fuck's just going to give you a bunch of money? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't. Like, but once you... Once you get the fact that there are people who do have money, and also there are lots of good, good people out there who actually want, like, they live in this community. They want cool places to go and eat and drink. And like, sure. yeah. Cool. And this probably works in every industry, but specifically in the service industry, there are people out there who want to support locally and who want good spots for them, for them and their friends to go to. So, yeah. Yeah, so that is a, about that. But like, and the new place, like, it just kind of fell to me, and we uh, had investment money, and 
So yeah, now the new concept is a wine bar uptown Waterloo. I'm excited about it. Some roadblocks there as well, but it's definitely been a little, the smoothest one of the three so far. Uh, success story, I'm off the cocaine for anyone listening, <laughs> so that is helping me make a lot of better decisions. Don't worry, that'll change with this podcast recording ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's uh, kind of how we got to where we are right now. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, just trying to get the new place open and trying to keep the old place open. Yeah. But the pandemic was a big kick in the balls to anybody who's been in this industry. Uh, no one needs my sob story on that. Everybody who's in the service industry has gone through it one way or the other. The thing is now, we need people to come back to wanting to work in it because... Uh, how difficult is that right now? It's it's brutal. It's like every single place, like I, I can only speak for this town right now, but every place in this town is looking for people. Like all you see on social media constantly is we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring. And I got two places that have, have put that post on Instagram within a week. Jeez. So, and is it now for pay rate to get try to get people back? Are people starting to pay a bit more above minimum server wage? Uh, it's funny. I haven't run into it myself, um, but there's the people are getting creative. Like I know people who have offered like ownership shares and like. Oh really? Yeah. And the thing is too, it's really hard from the ownership perspective in that it's kind of like that. If you work in the industry, you understand this concept where like on Valentine's Day, people reserve at four different places oh. like a guest will reserve at four different places and then just hope they get their number one and be on a waiting list for one and waiting list for one and just have one that's what people are in at least in my experience recently in the service industry are doing right now they know that they're that everyone's looking for servers and chefs and cooks and barbacks like every position because so many people have left the industry that people who still want to do it can can literally apply at four different places, five different places, six different places, agree to a job at one, and then get a call back from another and leave the, the first place hanging, Jesus. which is kind of shitty. The work ethic is, as like, yeah, the work ethic has changed in this industry over time. Yeah. Um, but there's still, not to say that that's across the board. There's still plenty of good workers in the industry and younger ones, but that's an issue right now. Hey, let's get back to a little part two. Uh, in this, in your new two new spots, you don't uh, handle the like the kitchens now. Now you're contracting mm -hmm. that out. Let's talk a bit about that. Tell mm -hmm. me how what how, what brought that about. Well, it's like I said, I uh, the older you get, the more you realize what you don't know, and yeah. uh, and and that's that's across the board. The key is how do you handle that? Do you? Oh yes, we're into the tequila yeah. now. Cheers, Dan. Cheers. Um, the. Like, it's, it, and I think this goes in all aspects of life. It's one thing to know what you don't know. It's another thing to act on that, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. so I know I don't know shit about kitchens. I've never worked in one. So forever, I was just paying people to do it and like being, and like just having them like, uh, you could take advantage of me in a million different sure, ways. they would present their version of what, what's going on. Right. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to to uh, keep Costing, up on them, right? Yeah. Like, so, uh, this is a big shout-out to my good friend, Jill Sadler, another previous guest on the show. People mm -hmm. should come back and listen to that episode. Her and I have become friends through this podcast, which is, I think, amazing that stuff like this can happen through the podcast. We, we've made 
friends with so many people, like not uh, people all over the world, but not that we're going to talk to every day. But this is someone locally that. Uh, but I still like. It's great for all everyone who's been on this podcast. I still like. For instance, the other day, Leah Pupkin oh, had yeah. posted online that or on Instagram that she was having this terrible back pain and asked for suggestions. I was having terrible back pain at the same time, so I just literally just DM'd her and said, "Hey." Did you get any good answers? Can you help me? And I'm like, it's great that we've made these relationships with people all over the world, lovely people in the service industry. It's the best part about doing the show. That's an aside. One of these people is Jill Sadler, who has now become a very good friend of mine, as well as her husband, Micah. Um, they own this restaurant called Swine and Vine. If you listen to the episode, you know that already. If you haven't, you should um, go back and listen to it. But she, uh, I'd reached out to her to do a catering for a wedding that we were going to host uh, at Sugar Run that didn't end up happening. And we oh. just got talking, and we are like, what if you just did the kitchen here full time? Because she brought her chef, Dennis Hernandez, who's an amazingly, amazingly talented person. We should probably have him on the show at some point if he's willing. Mm-hmm. And he had gone to our kitchen just to make sure they could execute what they wanted to do. And like the three of us put our heads together and was like why aren't we, why don't we just do this full time i'm like and i'm like i don't know shit about kitchens let's just do it so yeah my new concept and my new concept going forward is to have hopefully always them but if not then somebody who knows what they're doing better than i do to uh run my kitchen they supply the labor they supply like plates napkins cutlery whatever anything that's on the kitchen end and then I do my part, like with dishwashers and chemicals, and like we've worked out a great arrangement. Um, and yeah, they, they they make amazing food, so you can get their food. And they do a slightly different menu at all the places. So if you go to Swine and Vine, their restaurant, they have a more expansive menu, which is a great place to go and eat. My my places are more booze forward than food forward. Yep. So they supply a great menu that accompanies what my concept at each of the places and sure. it's been an amazing working relationship nice that's great like but a lot more contracting out of the the, the parts of the the, the business that yeah you don't want to do yourself that's right and it also like it also helps everyone it uplifts everyone in the community and one thing like i was i was already sort of feeling one thing i this industry can be very bitter and it can be very... What? Yeah, I know, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> but it can be really bitter and self-involved and, like, jealous. Like, if you succeed, that means I fail. And this, like, if I, could, if I can get one concept across in this podcast... Now, and I've been that way in my career. I'm not saying I'm immune to it. But as I've gotten older uh, and mellower and more drug-free... <laughs> yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it's a running theme. Yeah. Um, I have really discovered that, like, a rising tide lifts all boats. We need lots of good restaurants and bars in our community, and we all need to be supporting each other. And I was feeling this way pre-pandemic, but if you don't feel this fucking way after this pandemic has happened, then I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're thinking, because we all need to be helping each other. And so so my whole thing, I have shifted to a whole new idea about what can we do to involve people from different places? Like, let's have guest bartenders so that we can promote two places at once. Let's have guests, let's have pop-up chefs. Let's have, like, what else can we do? I'm open to all ideas of, like, restaurants and bars working as a community so that we can all help each other out. Because this is what needs to happen, like, more now than ever. It should have been happening the whole time. And I'm sure there's lots of places that it has been happening. I'm not saying I came up with this idea. (laughs) I'm, I'm just saying, like... 
I, I, that I'm very much about it now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. I think that's a good note to end the uh, recording on. So Absolutely. It's been good talking to you. Thanks. Good talking to you as well, man. <laughs> yeah. Who, who knew we were going to end up this way? But, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's been. I want to say thanks to everyone who's been on the podcast. Keep listening, subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see you next week with a real guest. Sounds good. <laughs> thanks, Matt.